Welcome back to the Great Western Woods. Now, last weekend I was at Other Worlds Writing Convention in Nottingham here in the UK and I was on a discussion panel about world building and we were asked questions about how in-depth we get with our world building and uh, yeah so I had a few things to say about that surprisingly. Um, <laughs> I am one of these writers that if I didn't discipline myself I would never actually write a single book because I would just spend my whole time world building but it got me thinking about how deep into world building I do go and it also reminded me of pretty much the subject that kicked off my whole world building obsession plus it is a subject that I just love to talk about a lot. Um, so today we are going to talk about food. My first ever attempt at NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month for anyone who doesn't know, um, that was way back in 2009, so ooh, almost 10 years ago now, I wrote a book called The Ladies of Evertower. And in that story, I had the main character went to a food market, which was held at the harbour. Food markets at the harbour, a bit of a fantasy trope. You know, every good fantasy story needs one of those, I think. And my character, my main character bought a kind of food that I made up completely, which was a dumpling, which in the very centre of it, it had a molten, fishy, salty, herby centre. And um, I got quite excited by the thought of these dumplings. I will say, I've never actually had a go at trying to recreate them in real life. I keep thinking about it, but I haven't, I haven't actually done it yet. But these fishy dumplings actually turn up in quite a few of my stories. But that is pretty much where my obsession with world building began. That single thing, that, that, that dumpling with the fishy herby centre. And like I say, I love talking about food. It is one of my favourite things and one of my favourite subjects. So let's talk about food in regards to world building. So one of the big things you need to think about is what ingredients people have access to. So these days we're used to being able to go to the supermarket and buying food from anywhere in the world at any time of year. Um, that is actually quite a bizarre thing, but that's what's normal to us. It's, it's, um, it's what we expect now. And if you decide to get takeout one evening, you can pretty much choose takeout from almost any country in the entire world. So you've got to think about in your world, is this something that your people would have access to, this constant importing and exporting of food? Because once upon a time in this country, a banana or a pineapple was like an alien object. But now, of course, it's completely normal. And it's something that we expect to be, be able to buy in the supermarket all year round. So think about do the people in your world have access to imported goods? Can they buy food from other places in their world? 
And when you start to think about importing, you've got to think about how these things are imported. Are they imported by sea? Are they imported by air? Are they imported by land? Where do they come from? How far away do they import their food from? And who imports it? Do do they have um, specific people who trade? And does everyone have access to that traded food? So how expensive is it? If the trade is quite young, quite new, then it may be that only the richest people can afford the imported food. Whereas, like I say, if I go to the supermarket, I expect bananas at a particular price. I don't pay a huge amount for bananas just because they're imported, because so much food is imported now. The other issue you need to think about is fair trade. So where do these imported foods come from and how fairly are they sourced? Are they sourced from places where the the workers there are paid a fair amount for their food or are they grown by slaves or people who are paid very, very low unfair wages and, and downtrodden through economics? Also, when you think about importing, you've got to think about the side effects, the unintended effects of importing, which might be the introduction of non-native insects that come over with the food or even um, small animals. I mean, maybe even larger animals. Also, the introduction of non-native seeds and plants and diseases, whether that be Uh, diseases to plants, diseases to animals or even diseases to people and even the introduction of non-native people as well because sometimes um, they'll bring slaves over with the food that they bring over. So we've talked a little bit already about who can afford the imported food so if we talk more generally about who eats what. Socioeconomic factors is huge. You see it in the Western world today. When you go to the supermarket, you make a choice. First of all, you make a choice on which supermarket you go to. Some supermarkets are a lot cheaper than others. In the UK at the moment, there's a real boom in the bargain basement uh, supermarkets and Some of the bigger supermarkets, the more established supermarkets, are going up in direct competition and they are opening new brands to directly compete with the cheaper supermarkets. And then there are supermarkets that are more expensive. So certain people go to different kinds of supermarkets and you know what kind of people you will expect to see in which supermarkets. And not just which supermarket you go to to start with, but when you walk into the supermarket, are you looking for organic? Are you making a choice between free-range eggs and eggs from caged hens based on socioeconomic factors? Can you afford fresh meat or do you have to buy frozen? Also coming into that is how people store their food the fridge and the freezer now is a completely normal thing in our homes. But there are a lot of people, not just through, throughout the world, but 
in our own countries who don't actually have fridges or freezers. They don't have access to those things. And it is a very recent thing as well. Just two generations ago, you know, my grandparents didn't always have a fridge in their house. So also you've got to think about the choices that people make as to what they what food they buy, as to how they can store it and how long they can store it for. Also, age. I certainly know that my children eat very differently to what I eat. We have in the UK, we have a a kind of culture of weaning children on mashed up food, like those pots of pureed baby food. If Oh, if you've ever tasted one, some of those do not taste what they're supposedly meant to taste like. I wouldn't choose to eat that. And there is a culture of breaking away from that into thing, things more like baby-led weaning, uh, letting our children pick up finger food rather than force feeding them with this mush but that is still considered sort of like an alternative choice more like a hippie choice uh I don't know how widespread this term is but in the UK there's a term called crunchy mums which are generally slightly older mums who are very hippie into like um I say very hippie you know it's that's how they're portrayed. It's people who are into baby wearing and baby led weaning and may breastfeed for a lot longer than what our culture would consider normal. Big quotation marks around normal. As as far as this culture is concerned, I am a crunchy mum, I'll admit it. But, you know, it's about choices. So, Age has a big factor on what people eat and also how their parents choose to feed them. Another split could possibly be gender. Maybe women eat different things to men. Then you have religious and other beliefs. So in your world, are there people making choices to be, for instance, vegetarian or vegan? And in your world, it could be that to eat meat is the alternative choice, the abnormal choice, um, the unusual choice. So that's another thing to think about. Uh, Area, we've talked already a little bit about what's available in that particular area and you need to think about access to that area. If they're importing, they need to have access for the imports. Seasonal food as well, that's something we've become totally used to. It's it's very normal for me to walk into a supermarket in December and be able to buy strawberries or to be able to buy a Swede in March. This they, They're usually not quite as nice as when they're in season. They're also more expensive when they're out of season. But eating seasonal food is something that our modern culture has taken us away from. But your world might be set in a time where they eat more seasonal food. So that's something that you would have to research about what food is available at what time of year. Uh, I've already talked about storage of food, but you've also got to think about cooking facilities. People will have very different diets if they're just cooking with an open fire than if they've got a very high-tech oven. So you've got to think about technology as well. You may well have a future, you may be writing a futuristic world 
where they have futuristic technology. So that will have a huge bearing on what people eat. Also knowledge, um, knowledge of how to cook food, of what people can eat. You know, if you think about mushrooms, I would know nothing about mushrooms. There is no way I would ever, ever dare to go foraging for mushrooms because I don't know diddly squat about what I was picking. And I would probably pick something that killed me. So you've got to think about the knowledge that people have as well and traditions and festivals as well. So when you're talking about like traditions, think about how people eat. Do they sit down at a table with their family? Do they eat in much bigger community groups? Do they have different roles for different people? Who does the washing up? Who does the cooking? Who cleans up afterwards? Who do they who do they eat with? Do people tend to eat alone or is there a huge stigma around eating alone? There is um, a new trend starting to come up for, um, I think, in Japan, where people who live alone but don't want to eat alone, they can actually do video chat for eating, um, like, you know, via something like Skype. So it's like they're sitting down for a meal with somebody, but it's not necessarily someone they know and it's not someone who's in the room with them. But this is becoming quite popular and it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And so there could be stigmas in your world around how people eat and how people eat and who they eat with and what they eat on a daily basis will be very different than special occasions. If you think about things like Christmas, birthdays, Thanksgiving, the way that we eat and the things that we eat are very, very different. Now, festivals and celebrations and all sorts of things around that is one of my favourite parts of world building and they are great fun to create. But you, you can't just have it completely just plonk in because it's good fun. You've got to have a reason behind the festival. So festivals spring up for certain reasons. Sometimes they are religious celebrations. Sometimes they are seasonal, like celebrating the end of the winter, the return of the sun, midsummer day, things like this. Sometimes they commemorate an event in that world's history, whether that be a happy event or whether that be a sad event. But even if it's a sad event, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a sad, um, mournful celebration. It can still be a happy celebration. And also you've got to think about certain events would have been happy for some members of the community and sad for other members. So not everyone's going to be on the same wavelength as to whether it's something to celebrate or whether it's something that maybe either we should forget or we should use to raise awareness surrounding a particular issue. So make sure that your festival has a reason and that it makes sense in your world, in the history of the world, in the religion of the world, in the culture of the world. And Remember that over time, the reasons for the festival may have changed. For example, it's no coincidence that a lot of Christian celebrations coincide with the older pagan 
celebrations because it's quite handy when you're trying to get rid of a particular religion and replace it with a new one to be able to directly link it and say right instead of doing this on this day you're going to do this now instead because people are used to celebrating at certain things and it's kind of makes the transition a bit easier or the reasons for festivals may have been forgotten over time or they may have been confused there may be a lot of misconceptions or the reasons for them change over time you'll find near Christmas time a lot of people start to complain about the materialism of Christmas and how for a lot of people it's not a religious festival anymore it's a secular festival and it's all about presence and spending money rather than being about the religious basis that it's meant to be about but again that's a place that you can have conflict in your world because you can have certain people celebrating a particular festival for one reason and other people celebrating it for a different reason so it's a really nice chance for you to have some conflict and to show that your world isn't just flat and single faceted that you know it's multicultural and different and there are different layers to it what they what they actually eat will also depend on the reason so if you think about uh shrove tuesday or pancake day uh that's a the reason that people eat pancakes is because they're using up the perishable food before they start fasting through lent so it's um uh it's a hand just a handy way so that's why we have pancakes on shrove tuesday harvest festivals of course people are celebrating them there being an abundance of food at the time of the harvest and food the food that they eat at a festival that may also change over time for example um easter going from people eating real eggs to just eating chocolate eggs and certain foods will become associated with certain festivals for example in this country cabris cream eggs you can only get them at easter things that have become synonymous with christmas terry's chocolate oranges and toblerones although don't get me started on what they've done to toblerones uh think also about dinner guests i've already mentioned about who they eat with but traditions surrounding that for example um at halloween it is an old pagan tradition that you would set an extra place at your table which is symbolic of inviting your loved ones that have lost you've lost that have died that have passed over um to come and have a meal with you the, you may also cook extra food as an offering or as a sacrifice so that you maybe make up traditions around that you also superstitions around food there's a lot of superstitions around food things like putting a coin in the christmas pudding which is supposed to bring luck to whoever finds it as long as they don't break their tooth on it uh wedding cakes the top tier of the wedding cake once upon a time what people would do is they keep the top tier of their wedding cake and they would eat it on the christening of their first child but these days people tend to wait 
longer to start having children after getting married. So that tradition has changed. So people tend to eat it on their first wedding anniversary instead. And of course, this will only work with fruitcake. If you try to say if the top tier of a Victoria sponge cake for an entire year, it's not going to be edible after a year. So it will only work with fruitcake. And there are loads and loads of different superstitions regarding food from all over the world. So give it a Google. It's actually quite interesting reading. Then you have uh, connotations around certain kinds of food. So when I talk about garlic, you might think about vampires. Uh, coffee is synonymous with early mornings. And certainly in the UK, when you have a cup of tea, that's when you solve all the world's problems. Also, locations, when you talk about frogs' legs and snails, you know you're talking about France. When you talk about pizza and pasta, you know you're talking about Italy. When you talk about haggis, you know you're talking about Scotland. So certain foods will have connotations with certain places in the world as well. Another thing to think about with food is rudeness and politeness. So there are a lot of those sort of things going on about whether your things are rude, whether things are polite. For example, not having your elbows on the table, not talking with your mouth full. In the UK, it's a bit of a thing to never take the last of something. And you, a lot of British people will never take the last, like the last biscuit or the last cake on a plate. Turning down food as well, it's quite... It's quite a common um, thing in the UK for British people, even if they're starving hungry, to turn down food out of politeness. But of course, there are a lot of cultures where if you turn down food, even if you've been to four other houses and had four other meals beforehand, if you turn down food or drink, then it's considered very rude. Also, not eating in public is eating in public is considered rude in some places as well. So again, have a bit of a, a Google and look up food etiquette from around the world and then make up some of your own. Then you have family-specific traditions. My family, we always have had fish and chips on a Saturday. And one thing that's been passed down through the generations of our family is eating apple pie on New Year's Day to bring good luck for the whole year. And I still do that. That's something that my mum has instilled in me and I continue that with my children and I don't know but maybe one day in the future they'll continue that with their children so that's a bit of a family specific one. I know I'm rattling on a little bit I did tell you this was one of my favourite things to talk about but just a few more points to think about unhealthy relationships with food so using food as a treat or using food as a punishment bad habits that we hang on to for a long time for example I still tend to snack at about four o'clock in the afternoon um I'm 38 years old now but that's a bad habit that comes from when I was at secondary school as a teenager I used to get home from school at about 4 p.m and have something to eat and even at in adulthood, I still continue that habit. Then you have the issue of convenience and fast food generally being unhealthy. 
eating at set meal times as well. Some sometimes we're really strict on ourselves about when we eat, whether we're hungry or not. How many times have you said to yourself, "Oh, I'm really hungry, but it's still half an hour until lunchtime." You know, why do we do that? It's it's what our culture has imprinted on us. Also, think about eating implements, so cutlery and crockery as well. So in the world, some cultures use chopsticks, some cultures use knives and forks, and some cultures just eat with their hands. In the UK, there's uh, it can get into quite a heated debate as to whether you eat a pot noodle with a fork or with a spoon. People are very passionate about which is the right thing to do. If you don't know what a pot noodle is, it's one of those uh, dried noodle snacks that you just pour boiling water from the kettle into. Snobbery as well. Think about food snobbery. So if you went to a restaurant and you had six sets of cutlery around your plate, you know you're at a really, really posh restaurant. Also, if you go to a Japanese or a Chinese restaurant, there's a lot of snobbery and looking down one's nose at somebody who might not know how to use chopsticks and may have to ask for a fork instead. Now, the one thing that I'm not going to get into now is issues surrounding eating disorders, food hang-ups, body dysmorphia, all those sort of issues. Um, I've rattled on for 25 minutes already, so I'm going to leave it there. But it is something to think about in your world, and I'll talk about that in a future podcast another day. So I did warn you that food is a bit of a favourite subject of mine, but there is a heck of a lot for you to think about and go and have fun. And if anyone makes dumplings with a salty, fishy, herby centre, do tell me. I want to know how they are. I will make them one day, I promise. Bye for now.